So welcome. Today, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, there is a, I'll just kind of launch right into it. There's a, there's a study um, and found that during the pandemic, uh, people of a certain age, you know, older workers were severely disadvantaged compared to others, that the amount of people who are well experienced in the job force were basically kicked out the door where we talk about the great resignation, this is kind of like the great, <laughs> you're out of here because of, your, because of ageism. And the numbers are staggering. The numbers of, of people who are, I guess the, we'll call it the baby boomer generation were kicked out. And it's really unfortunate that these folks were kind of targeted to be downsized. And it seems in large part what happened, that's that's Mike Tuller just went flying right by me. That's so that's so well. So I'm trying to it, find my place, I'm sorry. So it seems what's what, what happened according to the study, and according to just what we've you know been uh, I've been writing a lot about, you know, during these times, is that it's not just because you're a certain age that they got rid of people. It seems that. Um, particularly at the early days of the pandemic, people were worried. The companies were panicked. What, what to do? There's massive downsizings. Um, they didn't know how long this would last. You know, two years later, we have some room to think clearly about it. But at that time, it was fear. And I think what seemed to have happened is that these executives said, hey, if we let go Jack Kelly and he's earning, you know, $100,000, $200,000, $300,000, whatever, well, let's get rid of that cohort who is earning a certain amount of money to cut the costs. Because if we let go, let's say some of the younger people who are earning a fraction of that, it's not gonna make a dent in the profit and loss statements. But if we get rid of all these senior people who are relatively well-paid, and it doesn't mean that everybody who's like 45 or 50 or 60 are well-paid, but let's be frank, generally speaking, for the most part, people who've been in the workforce longer um, tend to be paid more. Um, of course, it's going to be different in different sectors. You could have a young techie who's making a fortune, but let's take as a whole. So it made it easy for them to just take a big cleaver and just catch it, all these senior people to save a ton of money. Now, just, just before we go forward, Christine, Mike, and I, what do you think? I mean, these things happen. You can't undo it. But what do you think about that mentality of leadership? Because it's, it's indisputable. When you look at the studies and you look at the numbers, they're... they're it's, it's, it is what it is. What, what, what do you think about that? This was something that we saw also happening before the pandemic, but COVID has only accelerated the trend. And once these people are out, it's a sad reality that older workers are more likely to face long-term employment. And then they grow more discouraged by like the lack of prospects out, for, out there for them. And then they just choose to altogether opt out of the job market and quote unquote, retire but they're forced into retirement. It's just, and it's interesting because there were some, some, and probably a fair amount, I don't know the numbers offhand, of people who opted out to retire because especially in a, you know, last, let's say year and a half, let's X out the first three to six months of the pandemic. There was this, and we remember this, like the uh, you know, Wall Street bets with the meme stocks going through the roof, but you had cryptocurrencies, you had, you know, the stock market just on fire. 
real estate prices were going through the roof. So you had a lot of these um, you know, older workers, a lot of these baby boomers, a lot of the older Gen Xers were looking at their stock portfolios and looking at you know, the value of their real estate and saying, wait a minute, this is great. Let me get out of here because who needs the stress? Who needs the agita? You know, working remotely, working from home. I'm just frustrated. I'm not used to it. Because you're talking about people who spent 30, 40 years of their life working in an office. And now not everybody was happy working at home. And some people said, probably said, hey, this is the time to go. So you had a certain amount of folks just piecing out and saying, hey, I'm out of here. I'm taking, I'll sell my house in New York City, in New York or New Jersey or, or any high cost place and then go down to somewhere down south or wherever to save money, buy a house like 10 times the size, find a place with less taxes, better school for their kids, and life is good. So there was that, it wasn't all bad. So, so, so they were able to do that. Whereas others, unfortunately, who didn't have the home, who didn't have the stock market portfolio, who were kicked out. And now the study also says that even though it was a hot job market, they're not coming back into the market. And what do you think about that? Is, is that ageism that they're not letting people back in, that they're not getting, you would think if it's a hot job market and you have somebody who has 10, 20, 30 years of experience, why wouldn't companies scoop them up? I think something also to consider is health and safety. I think a bigger share of these workers were not necessarily college educated and didn't have the luxury of working from home. So if they were customer facing, you know, they were on the floor of Home Depot, Walmart, you were exposed and vulnerable and you're amongst the most vulnerable group. So it, it hasn't been wise for them to return because their health is at risk as well. So they might've opted out of the job market, but it was the circumstances in which made them opt out, like their health and safety. Look at Biden, I didn't think of that. So, whoop. <laughs> the metaverse just, just had an earthquake. Sorry about that. So I didn't think about that, but that's a good point that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more, you know, white collar-ish, but obviously there's more to that. So if you had people who are frontline, people who are, you know, serving the public, people who are in jobs that could risk their health, they got to figure, wait a minute, I had a great run. You know, I'm 55, I'm 65, I'm more, you know, older than 65. Why should I take this risk? I'm out of here. <laughs> let, let me get out while the getting is good. So that, that's an interesting point, Christine. Yeah. You know, I think, I think one thing along those lines, though, would be those same people, you know, in the front lines being exposed to, you know, more, more social interaction, public places. Um, those that left because their health was a danger early on in the pandemic, now things have settled down a little bit. Maybe they still aren't comfortable going back to a high contact job with people, but those same people for the most part are older and not as skilled. So even if they want to or have to get back to work to feed themselves, they may not be able to find a job. See, I think what's happened, what I've seen is this from the recruiting side, as well as just kind of some of my reporting at Forbes is that there's a bunch of trends that were happening. Christine mentioned, tapped on this, that before the pandemic, these trends were taking place. And one of them is the juniorization of workers. So that what, what was happening in a cost-cutting, money-saving endeavor, leadership of these companies would kind of bring down the level of compensation and bring down the titles of the jobs to save money so that instead of having somebody who's making 100 or 150 as a vice president, they'll, they'll change the job. And the job would be maybe an EVP or, 
or associate job, and maybe they'll pay you know thirty five thousand, forty thousand. And I know the first thing you would think of is like, wait, how can that person do the job? And you're right. I don't know. It, it's it's they're taking a big leap that by kind of lowering, you know, the bar and getting people who are younger. Now, those younger people would be geniuses and fantastic. But there's a, big, <laughs> there's a big risk that it's hard to do the same work that someone has been doing for 10, 20, 30 years. That's been a big change. Another shift that I've noticed was that the jobs, and for people who are watching this, this might hit home and say, wow, this is what's happening to me. Because another thing that was happening is moving jobs from, let's say, New York City to um, Florida, to the Midwest, to the Southwest, to other countries. You know, it used to be when I started recruiting 25 years ago, when you would look, you know, for jobs, pick any, any company site, and let's say based in New York, you see the jobs all based in New York. Now, if you go to any of these um, site, career sites, let's say of any investment bank or any tech company, and you're going to see all over the world. So if you're kind of, a, you know, somebody who was pushed out during the pandemic, and you're looking to come back, they're going to think, why will we bring this person back? let's say to New York or Philly or Chicago or San Francisco or one of these other higher cost places and we're going to have to spend more for this person, we could have that, we could hire in the Middle East, in Africa, in Latin America, in Eastern Europe and save uh, in India, save a fortune. Um, so that, that is not, was another big thing. So now when you want to come back, you don't have the jobs like you used to. During the pandemic, we did see like places like Goldman Sachs, maybe they might have kicked out older workers. And then, you know, we saw junior workers, junior bankers get exploited and have to work 100 hour work weeks. So that was almost the trade off for that. That's a good point. Yeah. So they put in a 100 hour work figure, hey, we're just going to work these people and pay them decent money to pay them, you know, you know, you know they were paying entry level right out of college, 100,000 a year plus bonuses. So then if you're there for a few years, you're making 120, 125,000, big bonus. And that's not too bad for coming right out of school. But the trade-off is you have no life. And I don't know, maybe that's a fair trade-off. Maybe when you're young, I, I, I would say, hey, you know what? Maybe you put in all those hours now so then it pays off in the long term. But uh, that's definitely, that's been happening. Have you have you seen have you seen other other kind of notes about this in terms of kind of what feels like ageism, but maybe maybe not? I just wonder if people unretired if that could help solve like the current labor shortage that we're seeing. See, so you would think that would be kind of the thing, right? That you know they would bring them back in. You would, you would think logically, hey, you know, you know, Jane Doe has 30 years of experience doing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, she was pushed out during the pandemic, wants to come back in. You would think you would welcome that person with open arms and say, yeah, here we get someone with 30 years experience. And the person might even be like, hey, you know what? I just want to get back to work. I have a gap on my resume for a year and a half. And it's unfair. I go and interview, and because I have that gap on the on my resume, I'm not getting nibbles. So I was making, you know, uh, 150, but I'll take, you know, 100 just to get back in and get benefits and and save a little bit more money. You would think that's happening, but it's it's not. Like the study was saying, they're not seeing that. And these people yeah. are much smarter than I am in doing the research, and they're not seeing that. So what do you think accounts for it? 
Even knowing that this COVID gap exists, I feel like companies really haven't been empathetic to still people with the COVID gaps in their resume. They're still having to account for that time. And the, the, there's just been a lack of empathy there. See, and that's the thing. Like so many of these places, you know, folks I speak with, they talk about, you know, empathy. They talk about all the new benefits they're offering, mental health days off, maybe closing down the, the, the office for a week so you don't have to be stressed and go on Slack because everybody is off. Um, you know, they'll talk about four-day work weeks, staggered hours, digital nomads, remote, hybrid. And why in this instance is it silence? That's so like, you know, my gut initially in this matter is always that, hey, it's not because someone's a certain age, it's because they're a certain age and making a lot of money compared to others. So it's, you know, it's cost effective. It's like this chief financial officer is going to look and say, hey, if we can get somebody cheaper, let's do it. Just like if they can get a product somewhere cheaper and then mark it up and sell it to their clients and make more of a profit. All right, we'll do it. So it starts feeling maybe there's something is there that there is this underlying bias, this underlying feeling that if you're of a certain age, you know, and I hate to say this because well, I'm not saying this, but I think what the prevailing thing may be, because like Christine was saying, if the person has the background experience and more experience than necessary, if you're coming in with even more experience and saying, hey, I'll take less, and you're not giving that person a shot, and according to the study, that's what's happening, then the only other answer is there's a bit of ageism at play. And, and that's horrible, because the one thing, if you think about it, this is the one thing we could all rally around, is that we're going to get old. And we get old if we're lucky, right? Because the alternative is not good. So we're all going to get old. So we should all <laughs> feel that, hey, we need, we need to support people who are older than us because we're going to be there. You know, it's the one thing. There's the one thing we can all agree about is that we're all going to grow old. We're not going to grow, you know, we're not going to all turn into, you know, I, I don't want to get into the debates of, you know, turning into a different gender, different race, different this, different that, because that's not where I'm going with it. But we all going to turn into older people. And you would think mm. when it's our turn, we want to be, we want to be treated with empathy and respect. And we, we come to the table and say, hey, we've been out of work for a year that they're not going to just say, forget it, you're done, too bad. And not to mention people are living longer these days. The life expectancy has increased. So if you're losing your job at 55 and expected to live till like 93, those are all those yes. like almost half yes. your life unemployed. Yes, yeah. think about that. So let's say this is this, let's say the, let's take an example, a positive example. You know, there's a person living in Larchmont, you know, the Westchester area of New York, nice, well-to-do affluent area. Their, their house price probably, and let's say they bought the house 40 years ago, appreciated tremendously. Um, they have a nice, they had a nice job. They saved a lot. They have a big investment portfolio, but then all of a sudden they, they, they say, you know what? I'm, I'm piecing out. I'm leaving. I'm gone. I'm retired. Now inflation is at like 8%. Gasoline prices are through the roof. Food prices are through the roof. The stock market probably seen the better part of the run. Who knows what's going to happen? It's kind of, you know, kind of on shaky grounds because it's some, some analysts will say it's very overvalued and due for a correction or a bear market or worse. Um, real estate price, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. So then they start thinking, uh-oh. And as Christine mentioned, we live longer now. You know, how like when I grew up and you heard that somebody was 100 years old, that was like, whoa. It was on TV. It was a big deal. 
and was on TV at the time, you had like five channels. I'm not that old, but it's weird. It's so different than now. And they would make a big deal of it. And now when you hear somebody's like 90, 95, 100, you're like, oh, huh, interesting. But it doesn't blow you away when it used to. So if, you're, if, you, if you retired at like 57, 58, 60, you have 30 plus, you might have 30 years left. And if you have, if inflation, and I'm not sure how much you're aware, inflation eats away at what you're doing so that your money doesn't buy as much. So if you have it sitting in the bank account making 1% interest, but inflation is up six, 7%, you're constantly losing money. So over time, what you thought you were well to do, now all of a sudden, 20, 30 years later, if you're not working and you don't have a pension and you're relying on your own savings, that's scary. And you might have some regrets about making that decision. And that's even considering if they have a savings to begin with. Because a lot of people don't. Yeah. A lot of it, right. And I'm looking at, you're right, because I'm looking at people who put away money. What about the people who didn't put away money, but just said, what hey, I got to I got to just leave because the reasons you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that leads to something else, like the great regret. Have you guys heard that expression, the great regret? Only recently. I live it every day of my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are you regretting, Mike? Let's, 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 no one, you know, just between us and the metaverse and virtual reality yeah, right, and everyone right, on LinkedIn, and, and, what do you regret? Well, as long as it stays within this galaxy. No, yeah, you know, okay. some, sometimes I look back, um, uh, I, I guess everybody has these dreams. Like my t- personally, my big two big things. I wish I would have uh, taken more of a chance and not being so much afraid to fail either as a musician or an actor. But it really, yeah. I, I never do that about you. Yeah. What you wanted to be an actor? Yeah. Well, I think one thing you know about me, Jack. At least in theater, I would do pretty well because I can really project my voice. <laughs> it can be pretty loud. Yeah, um, I know. I know you're a big De- Grateful Dead fan, and I know you love music. But I didn't know that you had to be an actor. Yeah, that's that's I, interesting. I play guitar, and and um, and I and I always thought you know acting always kind of intrigued me a lot. I I found it very fascinating to watch. You know, even at a school play, I was in a few school plays, but uh, nothing developed once I got to college. But it's, you know, it, it, that was more of just kind of a joke to lead into the regret. Uh, right, right, right. So, so we got really heavy there for a minute. So, so we'll get even heavier with the great regret because the great regret is like, I haven't heard this term, but I think now everybody's trying, myself included, to come out with the great something or other. Because that, that everyone wants to have that catchphrase, the okay. great whatever, so that like, you know, everybody be kind of using that term. And by the way, so the professor who who coined the phrase, the great resignation. You, you want to hear in a really meta thing what he did just recently? What did he do? Sure. He, he resigned. <laughs> oh my God. No, but, but in a good way, but he got, he's getting a new, another job. So he's getting another job, but he's, he participated oh. in the great, in the great resignation himself. Oh. So, so that's pretty interesting. So he's, uh, you know, he eats his own cooking, as I guess they would say, and decided he's going to go to a different university, I think somewhere in, in England. Uh, but the, with great regret is this, what's been happening because it's a hot job market. And with a hot job market, it's, it, you have FOMO, fear of missing out. Well, I think Renati just banged into the wall over there. <laughs> this is what's so funny about you know, the, the virtual reality, sometimes with the, you know, advertise, you just kind of float around 
and and you just bump into stuff. It's, it's really cool. Uh, so what happens is that you have the fear of missing out. And, you know, you hear the stories, let's say on LinkedIn, you see, hey, someone's all got a job. Yay. Someone else got a job. Yay. And then you start thinking, hey, what the heck? I'm missing out on this action. Let me take a look. You know, you hear, you know, every time, every, you know, 11 million jobs open, 4 million people quit every month. So you're like, wait, am I missing out on something? What's really going on? I got to check it out. So then you get in touch with a recruiter, you send out your resumes, you know, you feel like, all right, I want in on this action. And, and you want to know what, what, what's according to a Harvard study, according to a study from the Muse, which is a career-oriented site, do, 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 do you want to guess what happened? Like for, some, for a lot of these people, once they decided to say, hey, I want in on this. I want to, I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave. I'm going to find a better job. F you to my boss. F you to all my coworkers who are jerks. I'm out of here. So, so what do you think happened within about 90 days? I'm going to go out on a limb and say they regretted yes. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. So, so like two separate and probably more, but these two, two surveys that I saw, one from Harvard, one from uh, the Muse was that within 30 days or was it 90 days or 30 or 90 days, 90, yeah. 90 that they regret. And it was like what 72% regretted it. 72% were like, yikes, what? did I do? Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I, I quit. And now like I'm stuck. Yeah. It, it, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Chrissy. I was going to say, according to the Harvard Business Review, that was where 30% said they left within 90 days. It was Muse where it said 72% of people said that their new role was different from what they were led to believe. And that statistic angered me to know it. <laughs> So much so that you knew the exact numbers. Now, why do you think, why do you think they were, like that happened? Is it a bait and switch, misunderstanding? Or like, what, what do you think was up? That, that 72% is staggering. Like the other one, 30% yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, I can see that 72%. Yeah. And then for them to specifically state that it was <laughs> different from what they were led to believe makes me think that there was manipulation in the hiring process. You, you were definitely hear. angry about this. I could tell, I could hear your voice already. Yeah. So, so what do you think? Do you think they purposely, you know, companies or, or recruiters or, you know, someone, the interviewers purposely lied to get people in because it's such a hot job mark and they feel the pressure? Yeah, I think out of desperation, um, they might have misled people. I also think it's it's also a weird time. So you may have been hired under uh, the guise of like being told that it was going to be remote. And then this is a time where a lot of companies are announcing their return to office. So maybe you thought like you were just going to remain permanently remote. Uh, I'll try to give the companies the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this and also consider we are amongst like the great resignation. So let's say you came in, maybe two people left. So mm -hmm. maybe you were forced to take on the work of the people um, who left because these companies have kind of just been like a revolving door with a constant turnover. So that could also feel like, hmm, I didn't know that I was gonna be doing this much work, but you also didn't know that like this high like volume of people would be quitting as well at the same time. You know, the way you describe it, I could see how that plays out is that, you know, let's say I'm a hiring manager and there's a lot of pressure. This job has been open, you know, for a week, a month, two months, three months. And now all the work is being dumped on the, the remainers, the people who are still there. And now they're getting frustrated saying, hey, 
I'm getting dumped all this work. You're not paying me more. I'm going to quit too. And I'm going to start looking for a job. So then what ends up happening, there's a lot of pressure from probably higher ups to say, hey, you got to get somebody in here. And then if you know, you're getting that pressure, maybe you're going to overlook some things or maybe you're going to say, oh, yeah. So, so Anadi, do you want remote work? Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, sure. You got remote work. And then when you get in, what probably happens? Yeah, it's called, <laughs> it, it's called shift shock. So like, yeah. yeah, you'll get to know after some time. So yeah, no. Yeah, so so it's like, oh, did I, I, I don't remember saying remote work. I don't think it was in the offer letter, huh? So I'm sorry about that, Unani, but like, I guess you're okay to be in the office three days a week or five days a week. That's kind of the same as remote, right? And the commute is just one hour, one way. That's it. <laughs> yeah, just a one-hour commute each way. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. So I would imagine it's a kind of combination. I think also, let's be fair. Do you think part of it also could be this? It could be that when like you buy your new car, you get a, you know, uh, you get, you know, a new home, you just buy some uh, whether, you know, some new clothing, you have that high of like, wow, this is great. This is gonna be a great car. Oh, I'm gonna look fabulous in this outfit. And you're running on that like, yeah, this would be great. But then, you know, your car gets a ding or your car, you know, guzzles gas. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize it'd be so expensive for gas. And then all of a sudden you're like, could it, could it be that, that you have the expectations because this whole great resignation has been so hyped up. Mm that you were thinking, yeah, I'm going to go there. My whole world is going to change. And then you realize, oh no, it's, it's kind of the same, maybe even worse now. People could have left for more money. And then sometimes more money doesn't mean more happiness also. So I think you have to consider whether people left for the right reasons. Yeah. And I think you mentioned before too, Christine, it's, it's still not the most opportune time. I mean, we're still in a pandemic, even though it kind of feels like we're out of it, but we're still there. And we haven't been, most people haven't been back into office in two years. So it's kind of weird and awkward. So that, I wonder if does that play, to be fair to companies, can that play in it too? Where like everybody's kind of like on edge from two years of the pandemic and everything, and then going back to work, whether it's hybrid or remote or, or in office. And they're just, just a weird vibe. Do you think that could be it too? Yeah, these HR folks are figuring out as, as they go, this has been unprecedented. And we have to remember they were just thrusted into it. So now they have to learn all like the new regulations around all of this and then come up with like a return to office plan yeah. and then fill these seats. So these poor HR folks are burnt out as well. So I'll yeah, I mean, there's been a number of subjects. In fact, I was just, I, I just given a pitch about that the other day that I'm going to write about. Yeah. With the percentages of HR people just being overwhelmed, overworked, overtaxed, it's through the roof because during the pandemic, all of a sudden talk about like job descriptions, all of a sudden your job description wasn't be like, okay, how am I going to get this whole workforce to work remote or hybrid and make sure everyone's safe when they come back and make sure everyone has the technology when they're working at home. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And at the beginning, a lot of HR people and recruiters were laid off. So maybe there was a shortage there. Yes. So you're working with less resources. It was so funny. So like, I mean, not funny, haha, but during the pandemic, 
I remember searching like Indeed and other places and the amount of people like recruiters and HR people that were laid off was just enormous. And then two years later-ish, the amount of needs for recruiters in HR were through the roof. And it's just, so you're right. So what a seesaw back and forth. So that means people laid off, maybe they never got back and you'd have enough people in HR and recruiting to get back or the ones who you know got back uh, have been out of the game for a little bit. So just getting their legs under them and trying to get this understanding of this new reality of this new world. What advice would you give to people considering um, leaving their job right now so that they don't regret it? They don't fall amongst this statistic. That's a great question because I think that really goes to the heart of it. Um, number one, I would say this, before, before you start your resume, before you reach out to a career coach, before you hit up a recruiter, you really want to take some time and think clearly about what you want. You want, you, want, you want to really think deeply about where you work, your boss, your coworkers, the, 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 you know, everything about what you're doing and say, hey, is there a valid reason for me leaving? And if let's say you decide yes, then you, the second thing you have to think about is what do I want to do next? Because you just don't want to jump into something for the sake of doing something. So the second thing is you want to really kind of feel out, like, what do I really want with my life? And this is what I think a lot of the great resignation is about. And I think the whole mindset change of people is about is they're starting to think of like, hey, I don't want to be a tax accountant for the next 20 years. I don't want to be a stockbroker for the next 15, 20 years. I don't want to be the fill in the blank. So I think not to get too heavy, but I think what's happened is we've really looked at death more closely instead of just this thing that's lurking that we try to ignore. But when you have all these COVID cases and, and, and so many people you know, across the world succumbing to it, it kind of puts you in focus like, hey, I have a short time here. You know, I want to make the best of it. I, I want to enjoy what I do. You know, I know I need to make a living. So you really want to think about what you want to do, what will make you happy. And I would say it's like one of those Venn diagrams that to make it easy, you want to find out, hey, what am I good at? What do I like doing? What could pay well? What could have a good future? And there are more, but just to get started, I would kind of think of those in the intersection of, you know, those different circles. That's probably the sweet spot to get started. You know, what you're good at, what you like to do, uh, where there's a future, where you can get paid. And I'm not saying to be a mercenary, but like Christine was mentioning, hey, people live longer and you want to have, you want to have enough money saved away so that you could, you know, if you do decide to retire, you can and the money, you know, don't outlive your money. So I, I would say those are a couple of things to really look at. What, what do you guys think, Mike, Gunati, Christine? What kind of advice would you give people before they just make that leap? One, just always consider why you're doing it. And then just always do your due diligence in anything that you do, whether it's purchasing something or moving a job, just always do, do your homework and make sure you're leaving for the right reasons. What advice would you give to older workers to make themselves more marketable uh, in this job market if they're not like getting bites on their resume? That's an interesting question. I would say this. Now, 
one of the things, one of the reasons why we're experimenting with virtual reality and, and the metaverse is this, because there's a lot of biases out there. Um, you know, we'll talk about, you know, usually race, sex, what have you, but age, there's, there's this, for some reason, we don't talk about that as much, but it exists. And with virtual reality, by having an avatar, and I can tell you from firsthand experience doing, you know, exploring different metaverses, different virtual reality universes, I got to tell you, I feel kind of more comfortable doing it because I'm not like with, with YouTube, I'm sorry, with Zoom, you're looking at yourself as well as looking at the other people. Let's be frank. We all do that. We're looking at ourselves probably sometimes more than we're looking at the other people, you know, who, who we're supposed to be looking at. And because you want to see, how's my lighting? How's, how, like, do I have any, do I have a booger hanging out my nose? I don't mean to be gross, but come on, this, let's, let's be, be among friends. Let's be honest. This, this is what we do. Like, how do I look? Is there a spot on my shirt? Is my tie on weird? You know, is, do, do, is my hair a mess? Whatever the case may be, you get so self-involved that it's really hard to be the true self and to have a conversation because you're too wrapped up in your own head about like, okay, how am I look? How's my lighting? How's the sound? How's this? How's that? So you have that avatar where you could just not worry about any of that and just be yourself. So now to answer your question, Christine, with the ageism, that could be, it's like the voice, you know, the show, the voice yeah. where when they, you know, they're, they're not looking at who is singing. They're just judging purely on that person's talent. So a great equalizer could be if you have an avatar and, and this way you're not being judged that you're wearing those dad jeans and the, you know, the dad sneakers and a hairstyle from, you know, the eighties and all that. And now you're being judged on that. You don't have to worry because you're just going to be judged on your talent and your abilities. So I would say for people of a certain vintage that when you're interviewing, you want to go into it knowing that people are going to have a preconceived notion about who you are and they're going to make assumptions and they're going to have biases and they have prejudices. It sucks, but it's real. And to pretend it doesn't exist, I wouldn't be doing you any favors by saying, oh no, that won't happen. So when you go into it, you might think that if I interview and I'm a certain age, they're going to think, Ugh, Jack's going to be like, I, I've been doing recruiting for 25 years. I know everything. And he's going to just be that guy. And it's gonna be annoying, and I don't want that because I'm 30 years old and I don't need that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a hard pass on it. They're gonna think that I'm not gonna understand technologies because you're uh, he's a certain age, so he doesn't understand technologies. He, he, you know, they're gonna think, well, I want somebody who's kind of like me and you know same music, same interests, and so yeah, I'm gonna take a pass. So what you have to do is you have to come across and right out of the gate disabuse them of the notion that somebody of a certain age doesn't have the energy, doesn't have the enthusiasm, doesn't have the drive, doesn't have the per interpersonal skills. So right out of the gate, you want to come in. You want to come in enthusiastic. You want to come in, hey, Unadi, hey, Mike Toller, I'm so glad to meet you. This is really exciting. I've done my homework on your company. I've reviewed the job description a hundred times over. I feel I'm really well suited for that. I'm really excited to be here. So right away, you're showing that energy. So you're dispelling the myth that if you're a certain age, you're going to be kind of just plodding along. So right away, just if you hear my voice, how you turn it up, right? You really turn it up and you show that enthusiasm. So then that catches them like, oh, huh, 
wow, all right, I wasn't expecting that. Then you could say something to the effect of, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've noticed I'm, I'm a little older than you both. However, that being said, I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to working with people from different generations so I can learn from them. You know, I know my own, you know, background and my own lived life, but I don't know what it's like for you and Adi and, my, and Mike and Christine. So I want to learn from you. So I can't wait to, to kind of see what you could offer me, how you could teach me. And if you always like, I'd be glad to give any advice or any information from my experience to you as well. So I think we could have a great relationship where we bring different skills, backgrounds, experiences to the table. So then right where there, what you're doing is this. You're, you're again, you're breaking down that barrier and, and, and they may have felt, oh, Jack's gonna come in and try to be the big boss and, and, and tell us what to do. But now, wait, he's just doing the opposite. He's like, huh, he's looking for our advice and our guidance, huh? That's pretty interesting. So, so I, this is what you have to do. You have to play the game and it's terrible that you have to do it, but it is what it is. So you wanna come in and you wanna show that you have the energy, the drive, the motivation, the background, the skills for the job, but probably one of the most important things is that you could work well and play well with others because, because they don't wanna feel, hey, I'm in a meeting and because Jack has gray hair and a gray beard, although I shaved today, so I don't have my gray beard because I was making, I, I felt I'm looking old. So I'm, I, eat, I, I practice what I preach. <laughs> so I kind of shave, it's like, wow, I'm looking kind of dated. Let, let, let me shave a little bit. So what happens is this, you don't wanna to go to a conference room and you're sitting there or you're in a Zoom call and, and then the heads will turn to the more experienced person because that's human nature. And then the person who really is the boss who's younger is gonna be like, what the hell? What are you doing? It's, it, look at me, not him because he's, you know, has that gray beard and looks distinguished. No, it's me. So you wanna make sure that doesn't happen, that, that they feel comfortable. You're not gonna usurp any of their authority, any of their responsibility. You're not gonna upstage them in meetings. And it's a tall ask and it shouldn't have to be that way. Life and work would be much better if it wasn't that way. But I, I, I think the value add I offer in these podcasts is to give you the benefits of, of 25 years of recruiting people, hiring people, seeing people get let go, and just give the reality. You know, not theory, but reality. This is what happens. And, and as distasteful as it sounds that you have to play this game, I, that's, that's what you're going to have to do. Well, Mike, with, you, oh, sorry, Mike, you can go. I, I, you know, I, I think these are all really good points. You know, uh, you, you make, first thing you want to do is, you know, think about these things, even if you feel you're secure in your job and, and you're happy and you, 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 know, you see good growth, be, <coughs> excuse me, be prepared because you never know when market conditions, something at the company, you know, you should always have, you know, people say, have your go bag ready, have a plan and think about when you have the leisure about what other things you might want to do. Think of the pros and cons, think of the expenses. What, what does, you know, this pivot in your career, how does it pay? You know, is it harder for me to get in? Do I have to get it at, at a lower level? All these things like that, planning. Of course, you know, plans almost like, I think there's an expression I can't think of in war, but you know, whatever battle plan you have, as soon as combat starts, everything gets thrown out the window, yeah. but you've trained yourself, you have an idea and the right way to look at things and uh, go to plan B and, uh, you know, react. Absolutely. Unadi, Chris, any, any, any other thoughts before? Wow, time flew by. Any other thoughts before we head out? I must say that we, we should show uh, people the row. Um, 
we we all can move around in the room okay show yeah. show show our, our crib show show around a little bit that's right yeah okay, and while, while unadi does that i had a i had a question because we are in the metaverse right now like with the pivot to digitization automation and web3 you know could this further the skills gap and hurt older workers in the long absolutely. run absolutely absolutely i think for everybody not just older work but younger workers too i think everybody i think it's one of those things where, you know, um, you have to, ah, <laughs> Earth, another earthquake. I think you have to be aware of, you know, where, what's hot, what's growing, what, what fields, what industries, uh, what skills you need. And the positive thing is I've seen there's so many courses you could take, accreditation courses, credentials, uh, coding boot camps. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, yes, you know, there are a lot of jobs, but then a lot of them are specialized. So I think, yeah, you have to kind of always be training, always be learning, always be learning new skills, always trying to kind of keep your hands on the pulse of like what's going on so you don't get left behind. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we do see a lot of companies, they have like these coding camps and initiatives to help underserved groups. I think if businesses could, you know, cater to the older workers, help upskill them, or at least include them in on the conversation, like that would make a big difference as well. Absolutely. Unadi, Mike, any other party words as we're looking out into the universe here? Don't, don't lose confidence, you know, stay strong, be per persevere and be persistent. Um, the worst thing you could do is get into, you know, a mood where, oh, you know, it's just never going to happen for me. Don't give up. Don't quit. That's a good one. It's, it's, you know what, Mike, that's great advice because yeah, it's so it's, it is easy to just yeah. say, Hey, I'm such and such years old. It's never going to happen. I give up. I just, quit. yeah, but don't. I, I love it, Mike. That's great. Thank you. Ooh. Unadi, any last uh, part? I, I feel like as Christine mentioned that like with the age person should also, you know, upskill their, uh, you know, technical skill or whether it's like communication skill or like a social skill, uh, skill, whatever it is. So like with the age, I feel like persons should also like uh, keep up with what's going on around it. Yeah, so definitely, that's my time. absolutely, yep. absolutely. So thanks, so thanks everybody for watching today, and uh, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free in the comments if 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 you've been impacted, if you feel you've been impacted by ageism, or for that matter, any other kind of ism. You know, feel free in the comments. You know, to 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 hit us up and. Also, if you have any questions, just as Christine said, hey, what do you think, you know, you should do, you know, if you feel that, you know, what have you, how to get the job or how to come across, how to overcome this bias, feel free to send, you know, to, to send a comment and we'll be happy to respond and try to give, a, you know, some tailored advice to help you. Um, and we'll be doing these uh, LinkedIn lives, not all of them be the metaverse and virtual reality, but we'll be doing a lot of them and keep your eye open like 12 to one o'clock. Either it's going to be us or a cool, smart guest. And the whole idea is really look, trying to be happy and successful at, all, at work. And that's kind of the whole thing of what we're trying to help people. But then also with a healthy focus on the future of work, because you know, as Christine was talking about, you know, for that person who's going to come back out of, re this is just one example, as she was mentioning, coming back out of retirement, you you have to have those skills because it's changed a lot. Every, you know, in the last two years, everything's kind of gone online digital. So you do, you do want to kind of start 
knowing where things are going and be prepared. Yes, yes. And if I may, one last, to suggest one last thing in closing. Um, Christine, now I'm not sure, you know, your, your work situation or home situation, but I've got to say that that cute brown dog has been jumping <laughs> up at you and staring at you and rolling over, looking so much for love. If you could, if you could swing it, consider adopting him or if you're working with his dog friend, he loves you and really wants you. <laughs> yeah. Right. How great is that to have a cute, cute virtual dogs, right? It's so cool. <laughs> I, see, see, this is another cool thing with virtual reality. You can have the, your therapy dogs while you're at work mm-hmm. and you don't have to, and, and you know what? Having a, being a dog and cat owner, two dogs and two cats, you don't have to clean out up after them, right. and right. you don't have to kind of feed them all the time and all that. So, so yeah, this is another plus for for working virtually. You have cute little puppies without like all the hard work or allergies. Or allergies. <laughs> there, yeah, you go. there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you everybody for watching. I, I hope this was helpful for people who may be going through this and feeling oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? So at least you know, it's not just you. And, and as Mike Toller, I think, gave the best advice, hey, just keep moving forward, keep trying, don't give up, and then you will find that job that you want and be happy. So thank you very much for watching and listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Bye. Jane. Thanks for hosting. Bye, Thanks. You guys were great. Thank you. Bye.